You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Brother Michael, we are so thankful for you. Thank you for being willing to preach. Uh, when I found out he was coming to visit, I said, well, how about that Wednesday night we get you up to preach? And uh, he always, always uh, blesses my heart to hear him preach. I always get something out of it. And uh, he's an amazing uh, man of God. Of course, he grew up in this church, went to Bible college, met his wife. And uh, they have uh, they served in Long Beach for many years and now uh, pastoring in Ohio. And uh, we were talking right before. I was asking Ashley. I couldn't remember. But it's about a nine or ten hour drive. Depends on if you have kids riding with you or not, right? Ten and a half without kids, 12 with kids. And you say, well, that's a long time. No, actually with kids, that's pretty good to only add an hour and a half. But uh, Brother Michael, we love you. You come and preach to us and get your Bible ready. And then I hope, uh, I hope you respond. And then after the service, hope you let them know how much we appreciate them being with us today. All right, brother. Love you, man. Appreciate it. Love you too. Psalm 25 is where we'll be at tonight. But before we uh, jump into the message, I always want to say thank you for the opportunity uh, to preach. It's always such a joy uh, to come back home uh, and preach. I was telling uh, my church uh, there in Ohio that my, uh, or actually I was in Kansas, I was telling Ashley's church family uh, my three most favorite pre- uh, places to preach is obviously my church there in Ohio, uh, her church there in Kansas, and then my home church here uh, in North Carolina. There's, there's no place quite like home. Uh, and it's always it's always a joy to come back, always see the familiar and friendly faces. So many of you keep in contact uh, with me, and so it's it's such a it's such a privilege uh, to be able uh, to be home. Uh, but I was actually able to spend some time with with Pastor Kay a couple weeks ago at Jared's wedding uh, there in Kansas, and and Pastor Kay, he's just a classy individual. I mean, he's he's styling like no no one cared about Jared and Erica. Like the, all the focus was over there on him. And his suspenders and his tie looking very sharp. Uh, no, but, but we had a good time uh, hanging out. And uh, I told him that I was going to be uh, coming in July. And immediately he, he's like, well, let me check my calendar. I'd love to have you come and, and preach. And uh, he, he checked his calendar. And sure enough, there was, there was an opening. He said he had asked like 20 other people. And they all said no. And I was the, I was the last option. Uh, so, so, you're, so you're stuck with me uh, this evening. Is Brother Caleb in here tonight or did he dismiss? All right, he, all right, good, because I felt bad for him because he went to the wedding in Kansas. He shows up there at the church on Sunday, and he had to listen to me preach there, and he, it feels like he couldn't escape wherever I was going. Uh, so I'm glad he gets to help out somewhere else tonight. Uh, but, but Psalm 25, I uh, hope you've made your way there. That's really exciting what the Lord's doing with the Christian school here uh, in town and, and how the Lord's going to use Victory Baptist Church here. Uh, Christian education is something that should be valued. Uh, certainly in the times uh, that we're living. And so I'm excited to see how God uh, uses church family here and uses the Christian Academy and look forward to hearing great things. So Psalm 25, if you found your place and you're willing and able to, uh, will you stand out of respect for the reading of God's Word? We'll read the entire psalm together this evening, starting in verse number 1. The Bible says, Unto Thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. O my God, I trust in Thee. Let me not be ashamed. Let not mine enemies triumph over me. Yea, let none that wait on thee be ashamed. Let them be ashamed which transgress without cause. Show me thy ways, O Lord. Teach me thy paths. Lead me in thy truth and teach me, for thou art the God of my salvation. On thee do I wait all the day. 
Remember, O Lord, Thy tender mercies and Thy loving kindnesses, for they have been ever of old. Remember not the sins of my youth, nor my transgressions. According to Thy mercy, remember Thou me for Thy goodness' sake, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore He will teach sinners in the way. The meek will He guide in judgment, and the meek will He teach His way. All the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth unto such as keep His covenant and His testimonies. For Thy name's sake, O Lord, pardon mine iniquity, for it is great. What man is he that feareth the Lord? Him shall he teach in the way that he shall choose. His soul shall dwell at ease, and his seed shall inherit the earth. The secret of the Lord is with them that fear him. and He will show them his covenant. Mine eyes are ever toward the Lord, for he shall pluck my feet out of the net. Turn unto thee and have mercy upon me, for I am desolate and afflicted. The troubles of my heart are enlarged. O bring thee out of my distresses. Look upon mine affliction and my pain and forgive all my sins. Consider mine enemies, for they are many, and they hate me with cruel hatred. O keep my soul and deliver me. Let me not be ashamed, for I put my trust in thee. Let integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait on thee. Redeem Israel, O God, out of all his troubles. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thanks so much for this evening. Lord, thank you for this great group of people that are assembled here tonight. Lord, thank you for their faithfulness. Thank you for their love uh, for you. And Father, we need to hear from you this evening. So I pray that uh, for the next few moments, uh, we would put out any distractions that we might have that would prevent us uh, from receiving what you have for us. So Father, I pray that you bless the reading of your word and that you'd help me as I preach in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. Life is difficult. Who would agree with that statement? There's some, there's some difficult moments in life. Uh, there's some difficult seasons. And if we're relying on ourselves to get through them all, we're going to be in for a rough ride. We're going to be in for a rough journey. Now, this doesn't mean that life is always difficult. You know, life is filled with joy, laughter, fun, uh, enjoyable times as well. But we also need to be aware that that's not always the case. Life, life isn't always filled with joy. Life doesn't always have laughter and fun. Sometimes life is filled with grief and sorrow and, and pain and unpleasant seasons. And so often, that's the path that God wants us to go down for a period of time. Sometimes God wants to teach us a lesson through grief and through pain and through sorrow and through these difficult seasons. As you, as you uh, read along with me throughout the psalm, I hope you notice there's, there's an emphasis placed on direction. Several times you find the words way or, or paths. And David's trying to, to get God to give him direction. We, we see he's crying out to God, give me, give me wisdom, give me guidance. I, I need you to lead me through these big life decisions that I'm facing. So right now in Psalm 25, David, he's surrounded by enemies. He's not, he's not in a great situation. There's a, there's a lot of people that hate him. There's a lot of people that want to see him fail. And David recognizes that, that he's just a sinner that doesn't really deserve God's help. He understands that and he's calling out to God, look, look, I know I don't deserve your help. I know I don't deserve your mercy in this, but God, I need you. I need you to help me through these difficulties. And you see him relying on the goodness of God and, and depending upon the mercy of the Lord to help him. 
There's a psychologist by the name of Scott Peck. He once said, once we truly know that life is difficult, once we truly understand and accept that, then life is no longer difficult. Now that definitely sounds like something a psychologist would say, doesn't it? Like, you kind of listen to it and you're like, what? Like, I'm, I'm, what are you trying to say there? And to an extent, like, I, I, I believe Dr. Peck is correct, but he's missing one important element. God. Just because you know life is difficult and you accept that it's difficult doesn't mean it's not difficult to deal with when that tough time arises. But when God is the source of your strength and God is the source of your comfort and we accept that and understand that, it is then and then only are those difficult moments less difficult. You see, David knew the path that he was on wasn't an easy one. He knew that his life, this, this journey, if he wanted to be successful in it, he was going to have to have his confidence in God. You see that laid out in Psalm 63. If you're not familiar with, with Psalm 63, I would highly encourage you to go home and read it and familiarize yourself with it. Because you see all throughout that, that short psalm that God has proved Himself dependable and reliable time after time after time. Psalm 63 verse 2 says this. He says, David, he's longing to see thy power and thy glory so as I have seen in the sanctuary. He's longing to see God's power and His glory that He's already experienced before. And then you go a couple verses later in verses 5-7, through it says, My soul shall be satisfied. My soul shall be satisfied. When will it be satisfied? He says this, When I remember thee upon my bed and meditate on thee in the night watches, because thou hast been my help. Therefore in the shadow of thy wings will I rejoice. David said, like, when I'm going through a difficult season, I'll only be able to be satisfied when I reflect on how good God's been to me in the past and trust how He's going to continue to be good to me in the future. You see, it's tempting to read verses like those and think, oh, I wish I could experience something like that. I wish I could experience like my soul being satisfied and how, how God has helped me. And we fail to realize that that is exactly what God wants us to experience. God wants us to experience the very same help that David experienced. God's power, God's protection, uh, God's blessings, they're not limited to just those people we find in Scripture. You see, the same God that helped uh, Moses lead the children of Israel out of Egyptian bondage is the same God that wants to lead you out of the bondage of sin. The same God that helped and comforted David after his family betrayed him is the same God that wants to comfort you when your family is being selfish. You see, the same God that has changed countless lives in the Bible is the same God that wants to change your life. So in our text this evening, I see three action points every believer should make when the difficult moments in life come knocking on your door. Three action points every believer should make when the difficult moments of life come knocking on your door. The first thing I see is in verses 1-7. through I see when life is difficult, realize you need God's help. When life is difficult, realize you need God's help. Let's look at verses 1-7 through there again for reference. It says, Unto Thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. From the very beginning, He's acknowledging who He needs help from. Unto Thee, O Lord. 
He said, oh my God, I trust in thee. I'm not trusting in myself. I'm not trusting in those around me, but rather I'm trusting in thee. Let me not be ashamed and let not mine enemies triumph over me. All right, so you see the need here. There's, there's enemies trying to get victory over him, but David's request is don't let them get the victory. Give it to me. Yea, let none that wait on thee be ashamed. Let them be ashamed which transgress without cause. Now, now see, here's this cry for direction. Show me thy paths, O Lord. Teach me thy paths. Lead me in thy truth. And teach me, for thou art the God of my salvation. On thee do I wait all the day. And then remember, O Lord, thy tender mercies and thy loving kindnesses, for they have been ever of old. Remember not the sins of my youth nor my transgressions. According to thy mercy, remember thou me for thy goodness sake, O Lord. You see, the starting point to getting through any difficulty is understanding that you need help. The starting point to getting through any difficult season in life is understanding that you can't do it by yourself. You need help. I don't know why this is, but sometimes that's a tough realization to come to. I don't know if it's because of pride or just the way we've been raised. It's hard to ask for help. Human nature likes to be independent or or self-sufficient. We like to think we have it all figured out. And somewhere along the way, we've been taught that it's a bad thing to ask for help or it's a a shameful thing to ask for help when, when nothing could be further from the truth. But more than realizing we need help in difficult moments, we need to realize that the help we truly need can only be provided by God. So so you have this first step here. The first step is realizing you need help. But the problem facing many people today is they turn to the wrong places for help. In Psalm 24, verse number 4, just one chapter back, uh, if you want to look with me, you see that many people, it says, they lift up their souls to vanity. They lift up their souls to idols. You could call these manufactured substitutes for God. So, so when it comes this time where you, you're maybe you're going through a difficult season, or you're going through the, this trial, and you decide, I need help, the temptation is very easy to go looking for help in the wrong places. But here in Psalm 25, you, you see David recognizing, I need help, and he's lifting up his heart towards God. Because he understood that God is the only true source of encouragement in this life. You see, in one of the darkest moments of his life, when he had lost close to everything, David was able to do this. Encourage himself in the Lord. 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse number 6. And, and David was greatly distressed. He's having a really bad day. He's greatly distressed. For the people spake of stoning him. Alright, your bad day just got a whole lot worse. And it says, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters, but David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. So David in Psalm 25, he starts off by affirming, my faith is in God and my desire is to glorify Him through this circumstance. You see, one of David's priorities was he didn't want to fail or disappoint God. 
He didn't, he didn't want to let God down. He didn't want to bring disgrace or dishonor to God's name. So, so David, what he's choosing to do is, I'm, I'm choosing to wait on the Lord. I'm choosing to worship my God. And I'm going to confidently go to Him and ask for help. He knew he needed the Lord's wisdom to make the right decisions. Don't we all? If we're going to make the right decisions in life. We have to have the Lord's guidance. And he even asked for God to, to help me avoid these traps or these nets that have been laid out for me. Remember, there's, there's a group of people that want to bring him down. They want to see him fail. And they're laying these traps and he's asking God, make those fail. Don't, don't let me fall into the traps that are laid for me. So that's, that's what you see, David, here. He's, he's asking for guidance, which is something we should all model. We should, we should all ask God for guidance. But he doesn't stop there in his prayer request. He doesn't end with just asking, Lord, give me direction. He also asks, he, he asks for insight on how to better understand the word. He said, God, give me, show me, teach me. I need to learn what you expect from me because the way we learn God's way and understand his path is by being in his word. Psalm 119, verse 105, a verse certainly we're all familiar with. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Verse number five of our text is a reminder that the word of God and prayer, they always go together. Lead me in thy truth and teach me, for thou art the God of my salvation. On thee do I wait all the day. Lead me in thy truth. That's the prayer request and teach me. Where are you going to find that? In the Word of God. John chapter 15, verse 7 says this, If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, you shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. There's a connection with the Word of God and prayer. And confidence in our prayers is directly associated with time spent in the Word. So if you're not spending time in the Word, guess what? You're going to struggle when it comes to your prayers. There, confidence... Boldness in our prayers, it's, a, it's directly associated with time spent in the Word. As king of Israel, David, David would have certainly been familiar with Israel's history with God and, and certainly had seen firsthand how, how God had graciously helped them time after time and, and how they would cry out to Him for help and God would come through for them. And that experience gave him assurance, gave him confidence in his prayers. Look, God, I've seen you do this before. I know that you can do it again. But David's prayer for help in difficulty, it involved much more than just a prayer for help. This is a very important aspect here. It included contrition. That means a, a brokenness over past sin. So, so David, I, he, he's saying, God, I acknowledge that you are the help that I need. God, I acknowledge that, that I need Your wisdom and guidance, but God, also, I've messed up. God, I, I need forgiveness. And he begins to, to confess sins and ask for God to, to extend mercy and grace to him. David wasn't a perfect man. David was a man after God's own heart, but David had some moral failures. He had some, some grievous sins against God and he desired forgiveness for those sins. So what does he do? He appeals to God's mercy and he appeals to God's goodness. That's verse number seven. Remember not the sins of my youth. That should be a prayer for all of us. God, remember not the sins of my youth when I was doing some really dumb things. And if you haven't, if you haven't had to pray that yet, you'll eventually get there. 
Right, so, so remember not the sins of my youth, nor my transgressions. God, please don't remember and hold anything I did when I was younger against me. According to thy mercy, remember me for thy goodness' sake, O God. You see, forgiveness of sins can only come from one place. That's God. Because He is the one that we have wronged. So He is the only one who can forgive us. So when we sin, only the one who has been wronged can help us. That's pretty humbling. That the one we've offended, the one we have hurt, the one we have wronged, the one we have grieved is the only one that can help us. And we must all come to the realization that in difficult times and in unpleasant times, God is the help that we desperately need. But after we realize that God is the help that we need, we must then trust His plan. That's the second point this evening. When life is difficult, trust in God's plan. I see that in verses 8-14. through Let's look there for context. It says, Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore He will teach sinners in the way. The meek will He guide in judgment, and the meek will He teach His way. All the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth unto such as keep His covenant and His testimonies. For Thy name's sake, O Lord, pardon my iniquity, for it is great. What man is he that feareth the Lord? Him shall he teach in the way that he shall choose. His soul shall dwell at ease, and his seed shall inherit the earth. The secret of the Lord is with them that fear Him, and He will show them His covenant. At this point in the psalm, David, he takes a moment to pause and meditate on the character of God. You see, it's not easy to place our trust or our confidence into something or someone who has a poor character. Think of it this way. If you, if you owned your own business, and you had... How many, how many business owners do we have in here? You want me to call you by your real name, or you want me to call you by your name that I have for you? So Brother Mark King, I'll, I'll let you in on a secret. His nickname is Poochie Man. Like, I don't know why... That's been going on since I was like 13 years old. And so he, he told Ryan Thompson that. Pastor Thompson knows his nickname and my nickname. He comes all the way back to Long Beach. He's like, hey, poochie boy. Like, like what in the world? Like, some things just need to stay in North Carolina. Anyway, so, so we got Brother Mark. He owns a business. Any other business owners in here? Got a couple? All right, excellent. All right, so if you own your own business and you have an employee that is always late to work, would you put him in charge of unlocking the building? No, of, of course not. Like the other employees need to get inside and work. You're not going to trust someone with poor character with, with such a responsibility. You're going to find someone whose character, whose reputation is dependable. You can find someone whose character, whose track record is reliable. Now when it comes to dealing with life's difficult moments... God's character is flawless. It's perfect. Because God is reliable. God is dependable. God's character is unmatched. God can be trusted. So, so what does this psalm teach us regarding the character of God? And what evidence does it show us to persuade us to trust in God? Here's the answer. God is good and God is upright. 
God is good and God is upright. A brief summary of verses 8 through 14 would be this. God does what is best for those who submit to Him and obey His Word. God does what is best for those who submit to Him and obey His Word. So if, if, we, if we submit ourselves to God in meekness, He's going to teach us our ways. But if we come to Him and we are arrogant, then, then He's going to be silent. Okay, verse number 9, the meek will He guide in judgment, the meek will He teach in His way. So, so God can be trusted to guide those who obey His Word. That's verse number 10. All the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth unto such as keep His covenant and His testimonies. But there must first be a willingness to obey. If you want to have spiritual understanding, if you want spiritual enlightenment, you must learn to obey the Word of God. So you want God's guidance in your life? Start by being obedient to His Word. So, so we see if we submit to ourselves, if we submit ourselves to God in meekness, He's going to teach us. But we also see that God can be trusted to be merciful and gracious to those who repent and walk in the fear of God. It's verses 11 and 12. It says, For thy name's sake, O Lord, pardon mine iniquity, for it is great. And all the church said, Amen. We agree. Our iniquity is great. What, is, what man is he that feareth the Lord? Him shall he teach in the way that he shall choose. So, so part of, excuse me, part of trusting a God is understanding that he has a specific plan and a specific purpose for each of us. It's the latter part of verse number 12. I think of Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, for we are his workmanship creating Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. So, so knowing that God has a plan for our lives and that His plan is the very best plan for us possible, you and I can go through life with confidence and great joy as we strive to do His will even when it's difficult. You can still have joy when life gets difficult. Sure, there's going to be some times where our spirit will become uneasy and distraught, but God is more than capable of putting a distraught soul at ease. Look at verse number 13. His soul shall dwell at ease. His seed shall inherit the earth. You see, if we love God and we fear Him and we obey His Word, God is going to draw near to us. And in time, He will share His plan with us. Verse number 14, The secret, the secret of the Lord is with them that fear Him. And He will show them His covenant. Secret means there's this, there's this closeness in conversation. There's this closeness when it comes to, to understanding God's plans and His purposes. So, so picture it as this, as, as you and I, as we walk with God according to His Word, we're going to develop this close relationship with Him and better understand what He's trying to accomplish in and around us. So when you're in these difficult seasons, the closer you draw to God, the more you're going to understand what He's trying to accomplish. You see, we can absolutely trust God to help us. And when He does help, He's doing so in mercy and in truth. Another way to say it would be God is doing it in love and faithfulness. 
So when it comes to dealing with difficulty in life, we need to realize that, that God is the help that we really need. We need to trust that He will do what is best. And lastly, when life is difficult, we need to remember victory is possible. Victory is possible. That's, a, that's our, uh, the latter part in verses 15-22. through 22. It says, Mine eyes are ever toward the Lord. I'm constantly looking to Him. He says, For He shall pluck My feet out of the net. Turn thee unto Me and have mercy upon Me, for I am desolate and afflicted. What language He's using there. The imagery. He says, The troubles of My heart are enlarged. Like, Do you, do you get the sense that David's going through a lot here? Like, I'm, he's having a tough time. He says, oh, bring thou me out of my distresses. It's not just one problem he's facing. He's got multiple distresses. He says, look upon my affliction and my pain and forgive all my sins. Consider mine enemies for they are many. They hate me with cruel hatred. Oh, keep my soul and deliver me. Let me not be ashamed for I put my trust in thee. Let integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait on Thee. Redeem Israel, God, out of all His troubles. So as David closes out this psalm, he, he's expressing to God the various burdens he's facing, many of which I believe we can relate to. But I don't believe David would be expressing them if he didn't believe that God could do something about them. So some of the burdens David would carry, in, here, here they are. He says, I'm in a dangerous situation. I feel alone. I'm heartbroken. I have regrets. I'm fearful. I'm in a state of despair. Can you relate to any of those? Surely we can relate to one or two. Some of, some of us, we can relate to all of them. But we must remember that victory over these burdens is possible. Victory over danger is possible. That's number, verse number 15. Mine eyes are ever toward the Lord, for He shall pluck my feet out of the net. He shall deliver me from the traps. He shall deliver me from the snares. Victory over danger is possible. And this is, this is David displaying a confidence that God is going to protect him from whatever danger he is currently facing. He said, God, my, my eyes are set on you. I know that you will protect me from the snares the enemies have laid. Can you think of an enemy right now that, that believers face today that tries to ensnare them and trap them? 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 26, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will? The, devil, the devil's a dangerous guy. He's not someone you play with. Like he's dangerous. But victory from the danger the devil puts in our way is possible. Don't ever forget that. Satan is powerful. His influence is strong. His devices are strong. But my God is stronger. My God is more powerful. Victory has been made available through His Son, Jesus Christ. So I can have victory over any danger that I face in this life. But we also see that victory over loneliness is possible. The word desolate that He uses there, it means deserted of people and in a state of bleak and dismal emptiness. You know, sometimes life feels like a lonely place. 
If that weren't, if that weren't true, depression wouldn't exist in our world. You know, we can be surrounded by loved ones. We can be surrounded by friends that care about us and still feel lonely. Sometimes you feel all alone. There are moments when it feels like our own friends and our own family have even turned against us, and that's painful. David experienced that with three of his children. Absalom, Amnon, Adonijah. They all turned against him. He felt the pain of a family forsaking him. His own son tried to steal the throne from him. Lead a rebellion against him. In an attempt to kill him. His own son turns against him. And then he has to feel the pain as his close friend Ahithophel turns against him as well. So friends and family are forsaking him. But guess what? We can experience victory over personal rejection. We can experience victory over loneliness through a strong relationship with God. Surely the loss that David felt earthly was significant. I'm not trying to downplay that or discredit that. When family and friends turn their back on you, that hurts. But what I'm trying to say is that getting victory over a broken heart you are dealing with is a real possibility. You see, victory over heartbreak is possible. That's verse number 17. The troubles of my heart are enlarged. Oh, bring thou me out of my distresses. You see, sitting alone and feeling sorry for yourself has never helped anyone before. So why do we think it's going to help us? Why do we always like to think that we will be the exception to a given scenario? You see, it is impossible to grow in the Lord. It is impossible to accomplish great things for Him if you are constantly sitting alone throwing a pity party for yourself. Enlarged trouble will either strengthen your faith in God or it will break you spiritually. It's one of the two. The distresses you go through, the problems that you face, the difficult seasons will either push you closer to God and strengthen your walk with Him or it will break you. Recently, Ashley and I were able to go to the Creation Museum, which by the way is only 15 minutes from us. And so if you're ever planning to go to the Creation Museum or the Ark, know you can get to either one within an hour uh, of our house and our home is always available to you. Uh, so you can stay at the, the Futural Residence, Hotel, whatever you want to call it, bed and breakfast. Uh, we'll give you a bed, but we won't cook you breakfast, but we'll, we'll call it either way. But we have, we have two families in our church. They're, they're great people. And both of them were charter members uh, for the founding of the Creation Museum. And they said, anytime you have friends uh, come in, we have passes that we can give you. And so if you ever want to go to the Creation Museum, if there's 12 or less of you, we can get you in for free. Uh, so, so that offer is available to you. We'd love to have you come. Uh, the Creation Museum is absolutely fantastic. The Ark's a little more expensive. Can't get you in for free, but I can get you into to one place for free. So if you ever want to come, come on down. But at the Creation Museum, they have what's called the Planetarium. And one of the showings that they do is called the Creator of the Cosmos. And it's really it's taking you through all the stars and constellations and to the different uh, galaxies and so on. And it's just mind-blowing to think how small we are 
and to, to, to grasp the magnitude of God's creation beyond earth. It's, it's amazing. And, and to realize He created all of that with a spoken word. The sun, the stars, the moon, everything beyond it. Like, our sun pales in comparison to some of the stars that are further out. It's really just mind-blowing. With a spoken word. God created it. And at times, you and I can feel like we are too broken to be used or we are too broken for God to fix us. Think about that. God creates the whole universe and we have the mentality, oh, I'm too far gone for God to fix me. Friend, if you are living and breathing, you're not beyond repair. You're not beyond repair. God can heal a broken heart. God can heal a broken life if you give Him all the pieces and give Him control over all the pieces. See, therein lies the problem. We want God to fix us, but we don't want to give Him all the pieces. We like holding on to this or holding on to that. But if you want to be fixed, you've got to give God all the pieces and control over all the pieces. We also see that victory over past sin and regret is possible. Verse number 18, it says, Look upon mine affliction and my pain and forgive all my sins. There's no doubt in my mind that he's asking for forgiveness that he's, for sins he's already asked forgiveness for. Sins that God has already forgiven him, but he feels the regret still. He still feels the pain. He's asking God to, to forgive me. And how, can you imagine how that hurts God? Like, look, son, I've already forgiven you. Look, daughter, I've already forgiven you. You don't have to keep bringing it up anymore. So, so David had some regrets, but who doesn't? We've all made some poor choices. We all wished we could get a do-over. But far too often we let past regrets rob us of the peace and the joy that God wants us to experience. In Revelation, one of the things that we find out about Satan is he's the, he's the accuser of the brethren. Revelation chapter 12, verse 10, it says, And I heard with a loud voice in heaven, Now has come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. You see, Satan is the one who likes to bring up your past faults and your past failures and your past sins. The sins that you have already confessed before God. Remember, Satan is the one that brought that to your mind, not God. You see, God chose to forget that sin. God has chosen to remember it no more. So instead of beating yourself up over that failure, rejoice in God's mercy. Rejoice in God's love. Rejoice in God's forgiveness and determine to never go back to that sin. Hebrews 10, verse number 17, And there are sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Psalm 103, verse 12, As far as the east is from the west, so far hath He removed our transgressions from us. The Lord's very inten intentional in how He said that. If you travel east, if you keep going east, you'll always go east. If you travel west and you keep going west, you will always go west. West will never meet east. It's, it's infinite apart. Now, if you were to go north, eventually you'll, you'll hit the pole and you'll start going south. God didn't say, so as far as the north is from the south, I've removed your transgressions. No, He says, as far as the east is from the west. As far as infinity is from infinity. 
I've removed your transgressions from us. Your sins and your iniquities I will remember no more. You see, if God has chosen not to hold my past sins that have been forgiven against me, then I'm going to choose not to dwell on my past failures that Satan continues to accuse me of. You see, I can have victory over past regret because I'm forgiven and I can trust that God doesn't hold that sin against me anymore. Verses 19 through 20, we see victory over fear as possible. Consider mine enemies, for they are many. They hate me with a cruel hatred. Oh, keep my soul and deliver me. Let me not be ashamed, for I put my trust in thee. See, whatever David was facing had him scared. He was fearful. But he was also scared of failing and disappointing God. See, that's a real fear. It's a real fear of potentially doing harm to the name of God. His enemies were increasing. Those who wanted to see him fail were increasing. But he trusted God to take care of both. God, I'm going to let you deal with it. You see, the, the longer you serve Jesus, the longer you serve God, and the more you take a stand for God and His Word, you can mark it down that you are going to make some enemies that long to see you fail and fall. But you just got to keep on serving God in the face of fear. You can have victory over it. And then David concludes this psalm by sharing that victory over despair is possible. It says, Let, or verse number 20, O keep my soul and deliver me. Let me not be ashamed, for I put my trust in thee. Let integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait on thee. Redeem, O Israel, O God, out of all his troubles. He says this, God, I put my trust in you now, and now I will wait on you to do what is best. That's, the, that's victory over despair right there. God, I'm, I'm putting my confidence in you, and I will wait for you to do what is best. You see, victory comes by surrendering your all to Him and giving Him full control of your circumstances. So as we conclude this evening, one of the lies that the devil likes to tell us is that we're all alone in our trials. Well, the truth is that we're never alone. You see, to lose hope, to live in despair, surrenders your future to the enemy. And when you do that, it destroys the present that you're currently living in. But we're not alone in our trials. We have God. We have His Son. We have His Holy Spirit. And we have a community of fellow believers to help us get through any difficult moment or trial in life. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 and 10, it says this. It says, be sober. Be vigilant, because your adversary the devil as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. It says, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto His eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, 
make you perfect. Establish. Strengthen. And settle you. You see, you're not alone. Others have been where you have been. Victory is possible. And sometimes the path that God wants you to walk down is the path that includes grief and sorrow and suffering and pain until He has accomplished the purpose that He wants to accomplish in and through you. So David is in a tough situation. He's distressed. Difficult season. This is his testimony. This is where it was. And if you fast forward to Psalm 26, verse 12, he says this. My foot standeth in an even place. In the congregations will I bless the Lord. What does that mean? means David experienced victory. He was in an unstable place. He was in an uneven place. He was fleeing for his life and now he can say, God, my feet is in an even place. And I'm standing in the congregations. He's back with other people. He's back with the other believers. He's worshiping God again and he says, I will bless the Lord. So we see that he responds with praise as well. So look, I'm not going to stand up here tonight and pretend that I know what you're going through. Because I don't. But this is what I do know. That a part of life is going through difficulties. Part of life is going through suffering. And sometimes God wants you to suffer a while so that He can make you perfect, establish you, strengthen you, and settle you. Here's what we can know. God is doing something much bigger than us. Sometimes we find that out in our lifetimes what it is. Sometimes we don't. We won't find it till the other side of eternity. But we know that all things work together for good. God can take that suffering and turn it into something good and great that will glorify His name. So do you realize tonight, hey, you need God's help. More than anything else in this difficult moment, you need God's help. You need to trust in His plan. And remember, victory is possible. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.